0: your Bibles to two separate places, so if you have a, a bookmark or a pen or a piece of paper or something, you can, you can uh, do this, uh, leave, a, leave a marker. Uh, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and when you find that, turn over to the book of Acts chapter 27. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and then Acts chapter 27. The reason we're doing this is, well, there are some principles that we will see in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that we will see exemplified in Acts chapter 27. And so with that, I just I find that the Bible makes the best example. The best, the best uh, way to illustrate something uh, that many times God illustrates uh, in the Old Testament, or sometimes even in the New Testament, as in this case, uh, will, He'll exemplify or or or, or, or show us uh, something that's later explained, and uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, here today. Uh, Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at verse, uh, starting at verse 14, and uh, we're going to read through this. We'll pray. And, uh, and then see what the Lord can do for us. Uh, verse 14 says, but not long after there arose against it a, temp- a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. Now we, we preached on the passage here just a little bit later than this uh, after the shipwreck uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but uh, this, any time that uh, there is a storm that is given a name, that's a bad storm. Right, uh, we, we we do that now with our hurricanes, and they'll give them they'll give them names. Whether it's a, a male or female name doesn't doesn't really matter. Uh, but those are given to large storms. Well, here in the Bible, they gave a name to this storm, and it was Euryclidon. Verse fourteen it says, "And and when the ship, uh, the ship that Paul was in, the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive and running under a certain island which is called Claudia." We had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, straight sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for this, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the example that we see here. Lord, and also the, 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 just the truths that we can find in your word. Uh, God, I pray that you'd help our hearts and our minds just to be focused upon you and your word. And Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, give me the words to say. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak through me. Lord, and, and every word that comes from my mouth will be of you, Father. I pray that our ears and our hearts would be attentive. Lord, that Satan and his distractions and his, um, and his uh, just the, the problems that he would cause to arise, Lord, I pray that all those will be taken away. Lord, But that uh, your spirit would have freedom to work in, our, in us, Lord, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to, uh, to comfort us, Lord, uh, whatever it is that's needed. Lord, and if there's one here today that's not saved, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We ask these things in in Christ's precious name. Amen. So we, we see here uh, Paul in a boat. And Paul, you say, why is Paul in a boat? Well, Paul's on his way to Rome. Uh, if, you, if you know uh, Paul's history, uh, he spent lots of time in boats and on, uh, traveling. Uh, he was a missionary. Uh, God called him out as the first missionary, he was a missionary to the Gentiles, and he made three missionary journeys. Uh, but this was his after his last missionary journey, and he was on his way to Rome. And he wasn't going there uh, in the nicest of cabins. Uh, he didn't have First-class passage, second-class passage, or any other kind of passage that you would want. Uh, He was being taken there as a prisoner. Uh, He he had been arrested while he was in Jerusalem, uh, taken uh, taken uh, before uh, before the Romans uh, to plead his case, and he used that opportunity and every opportunity God gave him to preach the gospel. And God told him while he was in Jerusalem that he would be that he would be taken to Rome. So this wasn't any surprise to him, uh, but he was going to Rome in chains and. uh, so that he could then preach the gospel in the palace and all of the places that God allowed him to. So here he is, he's, he's in a boat and they've been traveling for a period of time and and th- there's a problem here and this problem that's arisen is a storm called say, you well, know, Why is that a problem? Because they never should have been there. God told Paul... Uh, several passages or several verses back that they should stay where they were at that it would not be safe. Aren't you glad that God sometimes gives us the wisdom to know when there's trouble ahead and, and what we should do? Unfortunately, uh, because Paul was a prisoner, uh, and the the ship's captain didn't want to listen to him, uh, and the the officers of the ship didn't want to listen to him, uh, they went ahead and they, they they went out anyways because things looked like they were going to go well. Uh, so they they go out and they they come upon this plate or they come into this storm called Erythrae. Again, this is a terrible storm. Uh, how many of you have ever been through a, a bad storm? Uh, has anybody ever been on a, through through a bad storm on a boat? I don't. I, I feel for you. I haven't been even through a bad storm on a boat. I've been just on a boat with some some bad waves and thought I was in trouble. So whether you, whether it was a military navy or uh, we're, we're, they were on the way through there and uh, it was it was bad. We see this bad because of the way they described this. They were just. They, this is how they described the storm. It says there in verse uh, verse uh, fifteen. It says, "When the ship was caught uh, and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive." What does that mean? Uh, the winds were so heavy that they could not uh, they could not go where they wanted to go. It was going to tear the, the the sails right off, tear their mast right off of the ship. So they they it says they let her drive. They just let the wind take her. They stopped trying to fight against and to go the direction they wanted to go. And and the storm took them in the direction that the storm was going to take them to go. Can I tell you that God? was in control that whole time. No matter, no matter how terrifying that must have been, and we're not talking men who've never been in a boat before. We're talking men who are are, are sailors. They, uh, they the, the, Most of them, and it was not, not necessarily Paul or the soldiers, but uh, but uh, men that were in charge of the boat, they they thought they knew what they were doing. They said, you know what, this is going to be fine. We'll just let it take us where it wants to take us. But that's not the end here. I continue on reading. It says in verse uh, 16. And running under a certain island, uh, which is called Clada, we had much work to come by the boats. The, the storm was very, very bad, and it says uh, the much work to, to come by the boats. It was, it was natural. It was one of the things that they used to do back then when they were in a storm like that, and they were going. They had these boats that would travel behind them uh, that were connected to them by, by kind of almost like a tow boat, uh, uh, a dinghy. Uh, but they were large boats, and and by smashing into the side into their boat, it could cause. Destruction to the boat, maybe a hole in the side. So, so they had to do much work to bring those boats in and to store those boats to protect themselves from from uh, from, from the destruction that could take place. And it's, it's a terrible, terrible storm. It says in verse uh, in verse uh, sixteen, running. On, oh, sorry, verse seventeen. When they had taken up, they I mean they they brought up those boats. They used helps undergirding the ship. So now not only have they, 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 they're letting the wind drive the boat, uh, they brought in the, they brought in the, the, uh, life boats or whatever, whatever those boats, small boats were in the back. Now it they're, they're, they're undergirding the ship with these ropes. Not the, the, so they, they wrapped ropes around the bottom of the ship to bind the ship and hold it together because they're fearful that it's going to come apart. This isn't a small storm. They're looking at life or death. If they don't do these things, they, they believe that they're going to, to lose the ship and die. So they they're doing everything they can. And that's the picture I want you to understand. It's not just that they're riding out the storm, yeah, hoping everything turns out okay. They're doing everything that they can to try to survive, to, to make sure that, that, that they don't die during this time. Continuing on, they've, they've wrapped these, these, these storms, uh, or these uh, ropes around the boat to hold them together. Verse eighteen, sorry, verse seventeen. Uh, they're undergirding the ship, fearing lest any should fall into the quicksands. They strike sail, and so are driven. So they're letting the wind drive them. They're they're t- terrified of what they're going to run into. This is the next day. They lighten the ship. What's that mean? They take the cargo. Right? They're taking the cargo and they're throwing it overboard. Anything that they didn't think that they were going to need, they're throwing overboard. I'm going to get rid of this and I'm going to get rid of this. We don't need these things to survive out here. We don't need this to, to control the ship, so let's throw it overboard. The next thing you find out is they throw their tackle overboard. Well, what's tackle? We're not talking about the tackle they use for fishing. We're talking about the tackle they use to, to keep the, to raise the sails and lower the sails. They're literally throwing everything overboard. Overboard, hoping that the ship will stay afloat. That's how terrible this storm is. This, it's not just a, a storm. It's not just a, a, difficult, a, a difficult, a bad wind. This is life or death for these folks. The third day we cast out their own hands, attacking of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved, was then taken away. This wasn't just a, a storm that lasted for a couple of hours. This wasn't just a storm that lasted for a day or, or a night. This has been several days. No, no, uh, no stars to look at at night. Uh, it, it was dark and stormy and terrible uh, the, the entire time. And they have lost all hope. They've done everything they can. And at this point, they are helpless, floating in the water at the mercy of God. Now, why is that important? Have you ever been through a difficult time in your life? I mean, uh, the, the, the 2020 is like the year of Euryclidon. <laughs> Euryclidon, right? It, it, and we've talked about comfort and strength and, and God bearing us through. But I, 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 want, you to, I want you to understand so, uh, something here. They, they, they didn't think there was any hope. And for the people of the ship, there, weren't, there wasn't any hope. They'd done everything they could. How many times do we do everything that we can until we run out of things to do? That happens all the time. Try to refigure our finances. We try to do this, we try to do that. Uh, I get another job because we don't have enough money, uh, or I've lost my job and I don't know what to do, and I've put out a million different, uh, put my resume out a million different ways. And we do everything but trust God. Say well, that's the first, uh, uh, sometimes, and it's really what it comes down to is that that's the last thing that we do when it should be the first thing that we do. Now, we're not talking about Christians here, that, other than Paul on the boat and, and, and those, his companions that were with him, but we want you to see what happens. Verse 21 says, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, I, I, I'm Something tells me the flesh in him was, was glad to be able to say, You should have listened to me in the first place. However, uh, <laughs> he says, You should have hearkened unto me and not of loose recrete, and, and, and have gained, gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. They're in the midst of, of the biggest storm any of them have ever seen. They're, they're, they're running at, at the mercy of the storm. Uh, they've, they've thrown everything overboard. Uh, they've thrown, all their, they've thrown uh, the, the tackle overboard. They're just hoping that somehow they survive the shipwreck. And Paul gets up and says, you know, you should have listened to me in the first place. I told you this wasn't a good, a good idea. Not exactly probably the most popular guy at that exact second. But what he's getting ready to do is to encourage them. He says, well, you should have listened to me, you didn't. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have had all of this loss. However, be of good cheer. Cheer up. You ever went to somebody who's going through a difficult time? Donnie, just cheer up. It's going to be okay. It never works out that way. At least uh, if you're on the receiving end, you're like, you have no idea. I can, I can I'm sure that the, the people on the boat were, 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 were upset, they were, they were scared, they were terrified. But how could Paul, in the middle of all of this, get up and say, be not afraid, or uh, cheer up? Because God cheered him up first. And notice what happens in the next, the next verse as he's telling them. He says, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. How does he know that? Well, it's not because of his knowledge or, uh, uh, in shipping or in life-saving. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, notice what he said to Paul, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. Listen, uh, why is this important? Because Paul was afraid, just like everybody else. He was afraid, otherwise God wouldn't, the angel wouldn't have told him to fear not. He was, he was there with the, uh, he was there with his own hands throwing stuff overboard with everybody else. They were doing everything else that they could to keep that ship, ship afloat. And, and there came a point, even in Paul's life, where he began to fear and tremble. He knew he was supposed to go to Caesar and preach to Caesar. He knew he was to share the gospel in Rome. He knew that's where God was going to take him. But sometimes in the darkness of the night and the, the difficulties that we're facing, we forget that God has greater plans for us. And God had to remind Paul, "Fear not." And in that, He says uh, He told Paul that there would there would be no loss of life as long as they listened to what Paul told them to do, what God what, what God told them to do through Paul. Uh, as long as He reminded Paul that He had a greater purpose in his life, and God was not done with him yet. And I mean, he was able to find rest in that. In what? His faith in God, not in the boat. Not in the ropes that were binding the boat, not in everything that they had done to, to keep the boat afloat, not in the captain or the, the, the ship's mate or whatever else you can call the rest of the people on a boat. Uh, it had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with, the, with God and the promises of God. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Here Paul is writing to the Corinthian church the second letter. Uh, uh, This is actually uh, the the second letter that we have recorded. There's there's purportedly uh, another letter that came before this, uh, that came between 1 and 2 Corinthians. Um, But He's writing to them, and he's he's identifying God as the God of all comfort. What what does that tell us about God? The Bible Bible does a couple things for us. One, it tells us about us, and it tells us about God. Uh, Somebody once asked, uh, you know, why doesn't the Bible tell us about what happened to the dinosaurs? Because the Bible wasn't written so that we would know what happened to the dinosaurs. God wrote, God had the Bible written so that we would know what happened between God and man and that man might be restored or reconciled back to God. So, so when, so when we read this, so we, we, when we read anything in scripture, we need to look at it and see, okay, how does this, what does this tell me about God? And what does this tell me about me? And, and how we can be brought back together. And here he says, God is the God of all comfort. Have you ever been comforted before? And what is the meaning of the word comfort? The word comfort means this. Ease. Freedom from hardship. Repose, relaxation, serenity, tranquility, contentment, peace. You know how many people are looking for peace in this world? They look for peace from their demons, I say demons, from their troubles and their trials in all different kinds of ways. They, they, try, they try to find it in a relationship. They try to find it in alcohol. They try to find it in entertainment. They try to find it in money and power and career. Listen, they'll try to find peace in many different ways. I once sat across the table from one of my best friends, somebody I used to work with, and you know what she told me? She says, I just want peace. But peace comes as a result of our relationship with God. You don't just get to order the side, get get to order it on the side. But any peace, true peace that you can have in your life comes from God. He says he's the God of all comfort. The God of, listen, if somebody's going to come alongside of you and encourage you in a difficult time, guess what, they're going to have to bring you something from the word of God to do it. It doesn't do any good. It does not do any good just to pet somebody's shoulder and say, There, there, it's going to be okay. What has that done? We we call that comforting people. No. How does that comfort anybody? You're telling me, What proof do you have that's going to be okay? Here, let me show you from the Word of God how it could be okay. So that's, that's where the comfort comes from. So He's the God of all comfort. Verse four, who comforteth us. In all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So we have the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation. You know, there is not a trial, a tribulation, a problem, uh, a, 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 a mishap, however you want to label it. There isn't something that, that, that you can go through in your life that God cannot comfort you in. He is the God of all comfort, and he will comfort you in all of your tribulation. The meaning of the word all, it's really, it's really difficult. Here it is, all. When God said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, he meant whosoever. When he said he's the God of all comfort, all comfort comes from God. When he said, I will comfort you in all your tribulation, whatever tribulation it's, it's not as difficult as we like to make it think. The problem is we are like the rest of the people in the boat trying to pull in, the doing everything we can to protect ourselves versus going to God for the source of our comfort to find the comfort that we need. Where, did, where do you think anxiety comes from? It's, it's because there is a fear that comes up in our heart. Instead of bringing that anxiety or that worry to the Lord, we meddle with it. We think about it. We, we, we rest in it. And man, that thing gets bigger and bigger the more the more we put into it. Until it's something that will overwhelm us and overcome us. And we'll call it Eurya because we don't know how the end is going to turn out. But can I tell you, the word of God tells us what will happen. Now that doesn't mean that everything is going to be okay. It does not, and when, I, and when I say that, I want you to understand it doesn't mean that God's always going to remove the storm. Did God remove the storm for Paul? He did not. Did God bring the boat through the storm to the point that it crashed? Paul had to swim to shore with everybody else. Uh, There are times when we have to go through some difficult circumstances, but Paul found rest and relaxation. It didn't mean a removal from the trials, it meant a relaxation or a peace in the midst of the trial. What a a wonderful thing that we have as Christians, that we can have a a peace that is beyond all understanding that the world doesn't get. They're like, how can you have found out that you have cancer and that you only have six months to live and, and have peace? I've known Christians that have been diagnosed that way. And they rest in the comfort of God. How? The world doesn't understand. They get their comfort from God, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our problems are. It says, who comforteth all, verse 4, who comforteth, uh, comforteth ugh, it's a tongue twister, comforteth us all in all our tribulation. And here's, here's the next part of it, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Part of the purpose of God comforting us is that we, so that we might comfort somebody else. Again, we're not talking about, there, there, it's going to be okay, let me hug you and hold you while this is all over. It means that we can share the peace of God that God shared with us. It's amazing how God will sometimes allow us to go through certain things. And then the very next, not in a very short period of time, we'll we'll run into somebody that is going through what we just went through. And now we can encourage them and strengthen them through the word of God. If God has comforted you in, in a situation, you should share that peace. You should share that comfort that 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 that, uh, that hope that you have in Jesus Christ now notice verse five for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us so also so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ what is this verse saying well this is that for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us these sufferings and notice Paul's talking about persecution, the trials that he faced. Listen, everything that Paul went through, including the storm, was done because he was serving God. Sometimes, the problems in our life are of our own choice and our own making. Now, we can still find comfort in that. We can still find comfort in God because he is the God of all comfort. But Paul, being in that shipwreck, was there not because he chose to be there, because God called him there. Sometimes, it's like David, after his sin with Bathsheba, went through a difficult time, a time of chastening, to bring him back to the Lord, but it was because of his, it was of his own making. He st- but guess where David also ran? To God. Because God is the source of all comfort. It's for the, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, as these, these trials abound in us, the word abound means multiplying, it's bigger and bigger. The, 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 and what the verse is pretty much is saying is the greater the affliction, the greater the tribulation, the greater the problem, the, 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 the harder it is for us, uh, it says that the greater the consolation. Because that consolation also abounds in Christ. There is not a problem too big for God to handle. There's not a hole so that you've gotten yourself so deep in that God can't bring you out. There, there, there is not a, a weight so heavy upon you that God cannot lift it. When I was a kid, I used, to, I used to do the same thing lots of kids used to do. Could God make a rock bigger than he could pick up? Well, no, that's just stupid. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. But there is not a, 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 a temptation. There is not a trial that God will allow you to go through that God cannot carry you through. I've heard, I've heard many people say, well, God won't give you more than he, you can handle. That's a lie. God will give you more than you can handle, but He'll never give you more than He can handle. The, 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 the clue here is that God wants us to stop trying to do it by ourselves and to trust in Him for the help that we need. We are too, we, we, we are so bent on doing everything that we can. We need to come to a point where we understand that we can't. There, it's not of me to be able to do it. It's in me, like we talked about this morning, but it's not of me. That's the new nature. That's the Holy Spirit that, that, will, that, that, that we talked about this morning that will rise up and, and that, that river of, of living water that, uh, that, that bubbles up and flows. Listen, there's power in that, but not in me. And I need to learn to rely upon that for my peace and for my strength. Verse 6 is, in whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, is for your consolation and salvation. Understand there is always a reason that we're going through these things. It is never God just saying, I hate you, Brother Frank. God, God doesn't hate you, Brother Frank. The Bible says he loves you. It's, it's not God... Just trying to destroy you, sometimes it feels like it. But it isn't that. There's a purpose behind it. What's James tell us? The trying of your faith worketh. Patience. In fact, so to count it all joy. Uh, the problem is, we don't count it joy. We get angry. Oh, why am I got it? This is so hard. I don't want to do this. How, how come this is happening to me? Listen, look around you. Get your eyes off yourself and look around. It's happening to everybody. The truth is, our lives are full of trials and tribulations, one right after the other. And we, like, we, we don't understand it. But the truth is, God is doing it for a purpose, sometimes to mold us and to make us, sometimes just so He can use us later because He knows how these things will affect us, but he will always bring us through as long as we trust in him. He says in verse 7, and our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be of the consolation. Paul's saying here, listen, I know that you guys are going to be going through sufferings and tribulations and persecutions, but my hope is steadfast. Why? Because he's not trusting in their ability to get through those things. He's trusting in God's ability to bring them through those things. Again, he, his focus and his hope is in God and not in himself. Verse 8, for we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in, all, in Asia that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul, Paul looks back at the past and at some of the things that they've gone through in Asia. And as you, if, you, if you recount and you study the book of Acts as he, as he goes through Asia to, to preach, man, they were, they were chased out of the towns. There were people that they wanted to kill him. There were, there were people that tried to kill him. There were people that stoned him and left him for dead. And, and listen, and he, you know what he did? He got up the next day. He got up and he went back into town after he woke up because he was unconscious. And the next day, what did he do? Preach the gospel. Every, we'd all be like, You're crazy. Go home. Get some rest. Take a week off. You need to rest. And he says, No, God's got a purpose for me. And God enabled him to continue on. And, and look what he said. He says, he says, They were pressed out of measure. It was more, above strength, insomuch that they despaired even of life. There was, there was more than we could handle. We thought we were going to die. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Notice this, and this is key. That we should not trust in ourselves. Because it's our human nature to trust no one else but ourselves. We've been been hurt so many times by other people who failed us. We've been hurt by others who were in authority over us, who failed us. We've been hurt by those that we kind of as close to us who, who stabbed us in the back or who talked about us behind our back or who did whatever. Behind, uh, we don't trust anybody uh, to, to help us uh, uh, other than the Facebook friends that we post everything on there about. So hey, pray for me. And most of those don't even like click like, and that's as far as they get in their prayer. Listen, what I'm telling you is we learn, need to stop learning to trust in or tr- trying to trust ourselves and start trusting in the one who is the God of all comfort. He says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. He says God God allowed those things so that we would come to a point that we stopped trusting in ourselves and started trusting in him. Now look at verse ten. This is verse ten is really the text. <laughs> All that has been has just been leading up to the message, and here's the message. It's really short, actually. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver us. it again, it says, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver us, and whom we trust, that he will deliver, yet deliver us. We see three things here. First thing is, who, they're trusting in God. One who, in verse 9, raised, raised raiseth the dead, but it says, who delivered us from so great a death. Just think about it. We're trusting in, in the one who has power over sin and power over death. First uh, Corinthians fifteen says, uh, "O grave, where is thy victory? Or o death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory?" It, 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 we have our victory through Jesus Christ. Right, and, uh, there, there, we don't have to fear death, we don't have to fear sin, while we still sin and we still struggle. Uh, we know that it's done, it's over with. What Jesus said it is finished, he 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 was right. Uh, he he went up, and uh, when he died, the Bible the Bible says in Hebrews that uh, that he died once and for all. When he was done, he sat at the right hand of the Father. It is finished, and there's nothing more that needs to be done. Uh, and it says, it's looking back at what he has already done, we can look back and see that as children of God, he has delivered us from so great to death, not just physical death, but remember Paul's alive writing this. He's talking about that spiritual death, that separation from God for all eternity, where he would have had to spend an eternity in hell without God. He says, he has delivered us from that. Look back to that and remind yourself every time you begin to become overwhelmed with whatever you're struggling with, remember what God has already done for you, where he brought you out of, how he rescued you and saved you and put you within the jurisdiction of the kingdom of heaven, that you now belong to his son, you're called his child you have an inheritance that you'll be able to enjoy for an entire entire eternity, all of it not even just part of it Right? all of it that's what he has done for you. We, we, we think about salvation and many times it, it becomes so little in our minds when it was the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. Listen, you could you could be born without arms and legs and, and, and not be able to talk with blind and, and somehow if God reached into your heart and showed you the mercy of God and you trusted in him, you would have a terrible life here on this earth struggling with whatever physical ailments you might go through. But look, let me tell you, that salvation is the greatest thing that could ever happen. No matter how difficult this life is, salvation is everything. So remember, remind yourself, that when, when you talk, talk about the comfort of God, remind yourself about what God has already done for you. But not just that, trust in what He will do for you now. Look at verse 10. And and doth deliver in whom we trust. And not not only did he deliver us, but he doth deliver. No, we're we're delivered from from death. We're delivered from so great a death. But he continues to deliver us. Even now, no matter what your, your problem is, no matter what your struggle is, he'll deliver you. No matter how heavy it is on your shoulders, as you bear it. The Bible says his burden is light. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Don't try to carry yourself. Trust in him. Philippians. I believe it's Philippians. I may be heading to the wrong, wrong passage, but... It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. I, I didn't write it down because it wasn't. On. Chapter 4, verse 6. Thank you. Paul writes here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing. That means don't be anxious or don't worry or don't fear or don't fret. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, shall, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, currently, now, whatever, listen, and, and listen, I, I get it. We're all going through COVID-19. We're all going through difficult difficulties in our lives. And, and some people have lost jobs, and other people are uh, have some health issues. Sometimes it's family issues. Other times it's, uh, there's all different kinds of reasons why we might need to lean upon God. The truth is, the answer to all of those is, though, to lean upon God. doesn't matter what your problem is. Rest in the Lord. He said, what, that verse there in Philippians says, it says that to, not to be anxious, not to fret, not to fear, but instead pray and ask God. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding, the comfort of God, which is uh, from the God of all comforts, that's when, we re- that's when we receive that. So God not only delivered us and still delivers us now, We can also learn in verse ten that He will yeah, deliver us. <laughs> Not only did He deliver us, and He's delivering us now, and can deliver us now in whatever struggle it is, whatever problems we're going to face in the future. Who thinks life is going to be a, 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 a nice, easy ride uh, after the year twenty twenty? I think it's only going to get more difficult. I think it's only going to be harder to be, a, to be a Christian. I think it's only going to be harder to be a pastor. I think it's only going to, it's only going to be harder uh, just because the way the, the world is going. I, read, I, 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 I saw a post uh, from three different uh, pastors of large churches, and they were talking about pastors that they had been in contact with. And, and it says that they all, within the next two years, they expect the number of pastors to step down from the pulpits uh, to be an astronomical number, uh, partly because of COVID-19, uh, the number of people that are leaving the churches. And, and praise God that's not been a problem in our church. But listen, there are, there are people leaving everywhere. It's not just the pulpits. It's the pews or the chairs. It's people walking away from the faith because they think it's hard now. Can I tell you, this is nothing compared to what Paul went through. This is absolutely nothing. But whatever we face, whether it becomes becomes illegal to share the gospel of salvation by Jesus Christ alone, or whether, uh, no matter what happens, he will still save us. He will still deliver us. He will still comfort us, and no matter what it is we face. If, if they come and tell you, listen, you can't share the gospel on your job, you're fired. Guess what? God will give you another job or God will take care of your family. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if, understand that we, whatever persecution is coming our way in the future, the God who did deliver us, the God who is delivering us, will deliver us. So there are three things that I believe that we can infer from, all, from what we've studied here today. One, as long as we're in this world, there will be trials. As much as it stinks, as much as we'd like things to be easy, and we'd all like to get on the, the what is it, uh, that, uh, that ride over at Disney there, uh, the it's a small world thing, you go happily around in circles and listen, watch the little as, as nice as that would be, that is not life life is has, life is a whole lot more like the uh, the roller coaster I tricked Ezra Ezra onto uh full of uh, ups and downs and terrifying <laughs> you'd have to have been there to understand but uh Ezra doesn't really like roller coasters um, he's kind of afraid of roller coasters and it was just me and Elijah we were at uh Busch Gardens down in uh down in Virginia uh, last summer or the summer before and uh I told Ezra, I said, I looked at the map. It looks like an easy roller coaster. It just up and down a couple spots. There. It, was, it had something to do with cars or something like that, uh, like the, the German Audubon. I should have gotten the clue. There's no speed limit on the German, on the Audubon. And <laughs> but I told him, I think it'll be okay. I don't see any really big hills on the map thing. And you couldn't see any big hills. It's because it's underground. <laughs> In the dark. <laughs> so, 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 me and Elijah, as we get on there, and and and, uh, and and look, there's no big hill. Like there's nothing, nothing. And man, that thing went from zero to seventy. I don't know how fast. It was literally like a <gasps> you're just like holding on, and went like down a little incline or down a little incline, and then into this hole in the ground. And then it was left, right, up, down, and all this terrible stuff. Both, all of us were, I, I enjoy it because I like roller coasters, but my kids didn't enjoy it so much. Uh, Elijah did a, a bit more than Ezra, who I'm just not going, I won't go anymore into that. I don't want to embarrass him. We get to what I thought was the end. You can see the outline of a door, like it came to a sudden stop. It took, it stopped as fast as it took off. And it's like, Ugh! And you see like this outline of a door in front of you, like it like it's going to open up, and like oh, there's the end, it's all over. And uh, my poor, my poor terrified children, I said it's going to be okay. There's the door, it's all over. And we suddenly dropped twenty feet straight down, whoa, took off again, and that was it for my kids. They were they were done. They they did not want to ride another roller coaster the rest of the day. that's what life is going to be like. Just when you think it's all over, it gets worse. But can I tell you something? That's how it is for everybody. Let's not pretend and try to trick ourselves into thinking it's going to be a fairy tale walk through the daisies and picking roses and smelling the flowers. Listen, every flower, every flower that you smell, there just might be a bee in there and stinging on the end of the nose. We don't know how terrible it could be. It's going to be bad. Don't, don't expect. God never promised us a pleasant life out here on this earth. He didn't. He, he, told, he told his disciples to expect persecution. He said, if they hate you, they're going to, or if they hate me, they're going to hate you. We can't expect things to go easy. But what we can expect is that God will carry us through. Every single one of those, those, those apostles, they all died terrible deaths. Paul, you read the list of things that happened to Paul before they cut his head off. That, the, the, cutting his head off was the vacation. Seriously, shipwrecks and floggings and being stoned until they, till they thought he was dead. How would you have to like to get up from that? And then the next day you get chased out of town. But that was life. And they said they, 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 they praised God that he found them worthy to suffer those persecutions. And yet we'll complain because somebody cut us off the, in the rotary. That's me. <laughs> Not the cutting off, the, the complaining part. I like I like to honk my horn a lot, but that's not persecution and that's not tribulation. But there is real tribulation today. There's tribulation in our lives, and there always will be. And here's the the second part of the first the first point: that while there will always be tribulation, there will also always need be a need for divine deliverance you're never going to be able to take care of yourself. You're never going to be able to say, ha-ha, I've got this, I don't need God, I can take care of this problem. And we do that too much now. And then when we fall flat on our face, we say, God, why did you let this happen to me? He says, so you stop trusting yourself and start trusting in me. That's what they said in verse 9. There will always be tribulation and we will always need divine deliverance. Here's the second point. We'll go through these last this last very quickly. While there'll always be tribulation and we'll always need deliverance, we can constantly expect God to deliver us. Cuz he always does. He's never been he's never failed us. He's never not taken care of us. He's never left us hanging. There have been times in my life where I thought, like, "Okay, God, where are you? I don't see you here." Job said the same thing. He said, "I don't see you, I see. I see you. I know you're working in the life, but I don't see you. I don't see you over here. I don't see. But I don't see you behind me. But when I'm tried, I'll be brought forth as gold, talking about the refining fire of God in His life. Because I don't see you anywhere around me, God, but I know You're working. God will always deliver us." And the last point is this, and we see it in First Corinthians chapter one, verse second Corinthians chapter one, verse eleven. We haven't read it yet. It says, "Ye he also, helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf." He says, "You're praying for us, and God has given us gifts. What gifts has God given us? Grace." deliverance, strength, all that they needed. The last point is this. Our life should be filled with praise of God over the deliverance he showed us. What he's showed us, what he's doing for us, and what he will do for us. Too so many times we complain about the tribulation without praising God for what he's done. Too so many times we praise God for maybe what he's done, but not necessarily what he's going to do. When, when, uh, what do you think Paul and Silas were, were sitting in that prison praising God for? Thank you, Lord, for the beating for the we just took. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the change of the stocks that we're in. Or maybe they were praising God because they knew that he would deliver them. Or maybe they were praising God that he had already delivered them. All I know for sure is that they were praising God. Our life should be full of praise. God deserves our praise, if nothing else, for our salvation. But the truth is, as I look back in my life, I can see many different times where I failed. I I can see many different times where I failed to praise God because of what he's done. He saved me. He kept me from a whole lot of stuff that I could have gotten involved in. And the stuff I didn't get involved in, he brought me back from. He showed me mercy. He showed me grace. He's worked in my life in many different ways. Uh, uh, I look at uh, my dad breaking his back, and, and uh, times at home when we, when God took care of us and provided for us. I look uh, in times since in losing jobs and getting jobs, and God providing certain things, answering prayers, and then not answering other prayers, which wasn't an answered prayer uh, because uh, praying for a job and saying, God, I, whether I, whether I get this or not, I want it to be Your will. So Lord, if it's if You want me to have this job, make it, give me the job. If not. Don't give me the job. I just want your will to be done. And I'd either get it or not. But you know what that did for me? I didn't fret and worry. Well, did I do something wrong? No. It wasn't God's will. I could trust him. And that's what's uh, happened over the years is I've learned to trust God and learned that I can't trust myself. And, and that's where I see the God of all comfort is. He gives us the comfort we need for the trial that we're in. And next time, next trial, he gives us that comfort too. And he does, it, does that so that we might glorify him, so that we might praise him, and that we might share that comfort with somebody else when they're going through that same thing. When Jess and I lost our baby. It's uh, It's difficult. but it wasn't more than three weeks later that somebody that we knew reached out to us and said, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. We just, we're, we're, the same thing just happened to us today. And we were able to, through that period of time of grief and God's strengthened us after having, having the miscarriage, to be able to, to comfort somebody else with the same comfort God had given to us. Don't forget what God's done for you. Praise Him for it. Thank Him for it. Use it to be, to be a blessing to other people. But the biggest thing, don't stop trusting him. And trust him for whatever you're going through today. And trust him for whatever you're going through tomorrow. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, and what you continue to do for us. And it's a continuing, a continuing work in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the example that we see in Paul and and how he was able to be comforted Uh, in probably one of the biggest trials, physical trials of his life. And Lord, that he was able to comfort others. Lord, I thank you that that the comfort that you have for us is just the same. Lord, that you'll bring us through whatever those things are. Lord, that you might be glorified, lifted up, praised for you deserve it. Lord, help us just to praise you and lift you up today. Lord, and for those that might be going through something right now, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to, to trust you. Not to tr- not to trust themselves, not to try to carry the burden themselves, Lord, but to set it aside and to trust you as you carry them through. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.